Hey everyone, welcome back to the Las Casas Community Church Podcast. Got a couple housekeeping notes for you this week. There will be no episode next week because it will be Ash Wednesday. We are having an Ash Wednesday service at Las Casas Community Church starting at 6.30 p.m. If you want to be a part of that, there's more information on our Facebook page, which will be linked in the description of this episode. Also, wanted to remind everyone about Suzanne's book that's available on Amazon for you to purchase. It's called Engaging the God Who Sees You. It's a great material for a quiet time or just knowing more about the word. Um, I'll also link that in the description below. This episode, we're in the middle of John chapter 18, Jesus's trials against the Jewish religious leaders. If you missed the first part, go back and check out our most previous episode to get caught up. And I hope you enjoy this episode. So let's just go ahead. We'll dive in. Um, We did the first 11 verses last time, if y'all remember. Um, So we're going to start in 12. And uh, so who wants to read John 18, 12 through 14? Uh, was it the seed? You mean you're giving me John 17? No, 18. Oh, yeah. Okay. 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 Was the father-in-law of Caiaphas, the high priest that year. Caiaphas was the one who persuaded the Jewish leaders that it would be better off to have one person die. Do you know that uh, the book of John is the only gospel that has Jesus going to Annas first? Uh, all the others, they just talk about Caiaphas, which makes sense because he was the high priest. But in uh, the Gospel of John, he tells us that he went to Annas first. Um, and then, so to understand the whole thing of why are we talking about Annas and Caiaphas, right? Um, I got this from Rick Renner. It, it, it's, it's just really good. It says, once Jesus was in their hands, Matthew twenty six fifty seven and John eighteen thirteen tell us that they led him away. Talking about Jesus. This phrase comes from the Greek word apago, the same word used to picture a shepherd who ties a rope around the neck of his sheep and then leads it down the path to where it needs to go. This word pictures exactly what happened to Jesus that night in the Garden of Gethsemane. He wasn't gagged and dragged to the high priest as one who was putting up a fight or resisting arrest. Instead, the Greek word apago plainly tells us that the soldiers lightly slipped a rope around Jesus' neck and led him away down the path as he followed behind, just like a sheep being led to slaughter. Just as Isaiah 53:7 had prophesied many centuries earlier, it says, He was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep of a his shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. Specifically on that night, however, the soldiers led Jesus to Caiaphas, the high priest, who was in essence the shepherd of Israel. 
Caiaphas was appointed high priest in the year 18 AD. Um, as high priest, he became so prominent in Israel that even when his term as high priest ended, he wielded great influence in the business of the nation, including its spiritual, political, and financial affairs. Flavius Josephus, the famous Jewish historian, reported that five of Caiaphas's sons later served in the office of the high priest. So it was a family dynasty, a spiritual dynasty. As a young man, Caiaphas married Anna, the daughter of Annas, who was serving as high priest at the time. Annas served as high priest, as Israel's high priest, for nine years. The title of high priest had fallen into the jurisdiction of this family, and they held this high-ranking position firmly in their grip, passing it among the various members of the family, and thus keeping the reins of power in their hands. It was a spiritual monarchy. The holders of this coveted title retained great political power, controlled public opinion, and owned vast wealth. After Annas passed the title of high priest to his son-in-law Caiaphas, Annas continued to exercise control over the nation through his son-in-law. This influence is evident in Luke 3, verse 2, where the Bible says Annas and Caiaphas being the high priests. <laughs> yeah, it's impossible for two people to serve as high priest at the same time. Nonetheless, Annas held his former title and much of his former authority. He was so influential to the very end of Jesus's ministry that the Roman soldiers and temple police who arrested Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane led Jesus to Annas first before delivering him to Caiaphas, the current high priest, according to John 18:13. Both Annas and Caiaphas were Sadducees, a group of religious leaders who were more liberal in doctrine and had a tendency not to believe in supernatural events. In fact, they regarded most supernatural occurrences in the Old Testament as myths. The constant reports of Jesus' supernatural powers and miracles, as well as the reputation he was gaining throughout the nation, caused Caiaphas Annas and other members of the Sanhedrin to view Jesus as a threat that messed up their theology. Uh -huh. And their banking, exactly. These religious leaders were control freaks in the truest sense of the word, and it was an affront to them that Jesus' ministry was beyond their control and jurisdiction. Then they heard the verified report that Lazarus had actually been resurrected from the dead. This incident drove them over the edge, causing them to decide to do away with Jesus by committing murder. These leaders were so filled with rage about Lazarus' resurrection and were so worried about Jesus' growing popularity that they held a secret council to determine whether or not Jesus had to be killed. Once the decision was made, Caiaphas was the one who was principally responsible for scheming how to bring his death to pass. So that's where we are. <laughs> well, close friend to the high priest, the priesthood was corrupt in the time of Jesus. It was not proper for two men to hold the office of high priest at the same time, as it apparently was done in Jesus instead of both were called high priests in this narrative. Yeah, it wasn't supposed to be that way. Yeah. 
And then it's like when we're talking about financially, they were the ones that controlled the uh, shepherd fields. So they owned the sheep that came to be sacrificed. So they profited all the way around, you know. So they got this vast wealth from actually exploiting people. <laughs> and what was supposed to be the sacrifices of God. It's really messed up. All right, so let's go back to John 18. Somebody read verse 15. Peter and another disciple followed on behind them as they took Jesus into the courtyard of the palace. Since the other disciple, the other disciple was well known for the high priest, he entered in. Yeah. The, the passion, it has this, and I, I think it's great, because usually when we're reading this and it just says the other disciple, and because we're in the book of John, it's usually we think it's John, right? And could it have been John? Yeah, it very well could have been John. We honestly have no idea. We don't know who it is. That's on here. Uh-huh. a lot more it could have been. Only thing is, is uh, Nicodemus was uh, he was a disciple in secret, you know, uh, and so was Joseph of Arimathea uh, up until when they buried him. You know, I don't know if it would have been known who buried him at that time or not. Um, what the footnote says is it says, although it's impossible to determine who exactly was this other disciple, some have surmised it was John himself or Nicodemus. If it was Nicodemus as a leader among the Pharisees, it would explain his inclusion into the proceedings taking place that night. But the only thing is, if it was Nicodemus, he was part of the Sanhedrin, and so you would have thought that he would have a vote. And and he could have voted against it. You know? Do you know for sure that he had changed over and became follower of We don't know. All we do know is that he and Joseph of Arimathea buried Jesus, and they 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 spent enough that they buried him like a king. But that's really all we know. Yes, because that would have been in front of everybody in opposition to them, and he I don't think he did that. Um, I don't think Nicodemus went in opposition of the Sanhedrin at this time anyway. I don't know that he ever did, to be honest. Well, there really wasn't because they'd already decided what they were going to do. And, and that we're going to talk about that, like tonight, all of the things that they did wrong. Uh, 22, 22. Mm -hmm. Uh, and uh, we're going to talk about that tonight, the things that they were supposed to have done, that they broke their own law. Yes, exactly. So somebody read uh, John 18, verses 16 through 18. Peter was left standing outside by the gate, and the disciple came back out to the servant girl who was guarding the gate and convinced her to allow Peter inside. As he passed inside... The young servant girl, guarding the gate, took a look at Peter and said to him, 
aren't you one of the disciples? He denied it, saying, no, I'm not. Now, because it was cold, the soldiers and, soldiers and guards made a charcoal fire and were standing around it to keep warm. So Peter huddled there with them around the fire. Oh, yes. Thank you. <laughs> okay. Um, and so we have the first denial by Peter, right? And uh, remember what Jesus had said before the rooster crows in, uh, he would deny him three times. And there's the first. <laughs> okay. Um, so somebody read uh, 19. Oh, uh-huh. 19. That's okay. <laughs> he jumped on that one. Yeah. <laughs> it was interesting, uh, and it was talking about this in the Passion, too, that they were more concerned with his disciples. Because think about, I mean, and his teachings, but his disciples in particular, they're bringing that out. Because what were disciples in that time? They were followers, students. They were people, they're stronger than what we would think of as students. Because um, these are people who, they watched every little thing Jesus did, how he washed his hands, how he ate his food. He was, they were like interns. They watched everything and then they tried to copy what, how he did everything. Mm -hmm. Exactly. And so they knew that he had these 12 followers who had followed him in that kind of way because he was a rabbi. So they were afraid, oh, are they going to come up and do the same things he's done? You know, and so that's why they're going against that. They're like, oh, my. Uh, rabbi just means teacher, right? For the most part, yeah. So it wouldn't be like a religious Oh, it is a religious term. I mean, it, is there any training, of course, but education stuff that somebody would have to do this, this, and this to be classified as a Usually so, but see, with Jesus, he didn't have the... Um, yeah, no. Remember when he was 12 and they were astounded at him by his wisdom when he was teaching, you know? But the thing about with Jesus, he was not trained up the way that the other rabbis were. Because if you, even if you read Jewish writings, even even now, they are big into telling you this rabbi said this, and they're all the time backing it up with whatever these rabbis were. Well, Jesus didn't do that. He would just quote the word, you know, and then go on. But he spoke with authority, and that's why they were like, "You're so different." Um, the big, the big rabbis during his day were, uh, and it talks about this in The Chosen, uh, if y'all remember, uh, Shammai and, uh, and uh, <laughs> that's a funny name, isn't it? It's actually Samuel, is how we say it, but yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. Uh, 
All right, where were we? Schmail. <laughs> yeah, Schmail. 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 It is like that. <laughs> All right. So uh, somebody read verses 20 through uh, 24. Jesus is questioned by saying, I have said nothing in secret. At all times I have taught openly and publicly in the synagogue, in the temple courts, and wherever the temple people assemble. Why would you ask me for evidence to condemn me? Ask those who have heard what I have taught. They can tell you. Just then one of the guards standing near Jesus punched him in the face with his fist and said, How dare you answer the high priest like that? Jesus replied, If my words are evil, then prove it. But if I haven't broken any laws, then why would you hit me? Then Anna sent Jesus, still tied up, across the way to the high priest, Caiaphas. Okay, so we're going from Annas's house to Caiaphas's, and he's saying it's just across the way. So they're very close to one another. Um, okay, so somebody read 25. While Peter was standing, still standing near the courtyard by the fire, the standing there are you one of the of the of his disciples? I know you all Jesus were and said, I am not his disciple. Look at the, the word for there for swore is uh, Aramaic and it's a very strong word that can also be translated blasphemed. Um, God's loving grace covered Peter's sin. Uh, but it's funny that he would goes so strong because he was afraid. Mm -hmm. That's the only reason why he's doing this is because of fear. Um, but he went that far even. But isn't he the one that cut off the... Mm -hmm. So, I mean, that's just odd that he's scared because he did that with a, a lot of men. And he, mm -hmm. I mean... Well, but you know what? He, he was... Think about if you were Peter. Wrong. Yeah. You have to think about if you were Peter and you're you're cutting off the guy's ear, right? But okay, he'd been with Jesus for you know a long time, three and a half years, it could be. And the thing about it is he had seen Jesus heal how many people? And had seen Jesus feed how many people? You know? A lot of people with you know, five thousand with what, two fish and five pieces of bread. Um he knew that if Jesus wanted to have a rebellion, then, you know, it could be done. He was ready. It just, he, he was, they, and, and that's just it. You're still seeing the disciples with the idea that he is the Messiah, son of David, coming mm -hmm. to conquer and to save them from the Romans. Being tied up. Yeah. So when he did cut that ear off, it was more here. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Human reaction. Yeah. And that's like what we were talking about last time. Man, Jesus was saving his skin. Yeah. Uh, because he would have been dead had he not done that. Talked about, I thought about this today. Um, it said, you said they were expecting the conquering king. Mm -hmm. Does it ever mention prior to, you know, in, in the Old Testament or anything of him coming as the, as a, the suffering, suffering servant? servant? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah, one of the key places that it talks about that, Isaiah 53. Uh, and another would be Psalm 22. Yeah. We can just pull those out. It's amazing. Oh, the scripture. Well, uh, Isaiah 53, it's the one where um, most Jewish rabbis, they tell their uh, Jewish students to not read that. Uh, yeah. Yeah, even though it's in Isaiah, Old Testament. Yeah. Oh, I know. But the reason, yeah, and the thing about Isaiah 53, yeah, go ahead and read it if you want to. Um, well, you know what, just read, like, even the first, like, ten verses. Okay. Um, who has truly believed our revelation? To whom will Yahweh reveal his mighty arm? He sprouted up like a tender plant before the Lord, like a root in parched soul. He possessed no distinguishing beauty or, or outward splendor to catch our attention. Nothing special in his appearance to make us desire him. He was despised and rejected by men, a man of deep sorrows who was no stranger to suffering and grief. We hid our faces from him in disgust and considered him a nobody, not worthy of respect. Sin bearer sermon. Verse 4, yet he was the one who carried our sicknesses and endured the torment of our sufferings. We viewed him as one who was being punished for something he himself had done, as one who was struck down by God and brought low. But it was because of our rebellious deeds that he was pierced, and because of our sins that he was crushed. He endured the punishment that made us completely whole, and in his wounding we found our healing. Like wayward sheep, we have all wandered astray. Each of us has turned from God's paths and chosen our own way. Even so, Yahweh led the guilt of our every sin upon laid our the guilt of our sin, every sin upon him. And then verse seven starts this the surrendered servant. If you want to. Okay. He was oppressed and harshly mistreated, so he humbly was submitted, refusing to defend himself. He was led like a gentle lamb to be slaughtered, like a silent sheep before his shearers, who didn't even open his mouth. A coercion and with a perversion of justice, he was taken away. And who would have imagined his future? He was cut down in the prime of, his, of life for the rebellion of his own people. He was struck down in their place. They gave him a grave among criminals, but he ended up instead in a rich man's tomb, although he had done no violence, no spoken deceitfully. And the servant's reward. Now here's the part. Jesus fulfilled every part of that in his first coming. That's why the rabbis want to uh, their people to stay away from it, because it is so convincing. Oh. So it goes through and tells everything that he accomplished, and then now what he's going to accomplish the second time he comes. Uh, well, the, the second part is just telling you how, um, how he is bringing salvation to people, oh. how he's opening that. Let me let me show you another place that prophesies of the suffering servant, and it's like extreme too. Mm -hmm. Is Psalm verse uh, Psalm chapter twenty two? They must really be blinded. They are, and that's it's what Romans not, uh, ten is saying that they mm -hmm. are blinded for a time, okay. meaning they won't be forever. But only for a time until the fullness of the Gentiles has come in. Yep. Okay. Yeah.
That's uh, Romans 10, 25. Yeah, I don't know. Ask everybody if they know who Yeah, it's true. Start saying the word. So somebody go to Psalm 22. Um, the cross. You start with one? Sure. God, my God, why would you abandon me now? Why did you remain distant? Do you know what usually that's translated as in other translations? My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. Exactly. It's the exact same thing. Yeah, go ahead. Um, sorry, I was reading what it was talking about. Um, why do you re- remain distant, refusing to answer my tearful cries in the day and my desperate cries for your help in the night? I can't stop sobbing. Where are you, my God? Yet I know that you are most holy. You are God enthroned, the praise of Israel. Our Father's faith was in you. Through the generations, they trusted in you when you came through. Every time they cried out to you in their despair, you were faithful to deliver them. (coughs) You didn't disappoint them. But I am like a worm, crushed and bleeding crimson, treated as less than human. I've been despised and scorned by everyone mocked by their jeers, despised by their, with their sneers, as all the people poke fun at me, splitting their insults, saying, is this the one who trusted in God? <coughs> now let's see if Yahweh will come to your rescue. Let's see how much he delights in him. Lord, you delivered me safely from my mother's womb. You are the one who cared for me ever since I was a baby. Since the day I was born, I've been blessed in your custody. You cradled me throughout my days, and you've always been my God. So don't leave me now, for trouble is all around me, and there's no one to help me. I'm surrounded by by many violent foes, like bulls. Forces of evil encircle me, like the strong bulls of Bashan, like ravenous, roaring lions tearing their prey. They pull curses from their mouths. Now I'm completely exhausted. Every joint of my body has been pulled apart. My courage has melted away. I'm so thirsty and parched. My tongue sticks to the roof of my mouth. Now you lay me in the dust of death. They have pierced my hands and my feet. Like a pack of wild dogs, they tear at me, swirling around with their hatred. A band of evil men surrounds me. I can count all my bones. Look at how they gloat over me and stare. With a toss of, with a toss of the dice, they divide my clothes among themselves, gambling for my garments. Yahweh, please don't stay as far away. My strength, come quickly to my rescue. Give me back my life. Save me from this violent death. Save my precious one and only from the power of these dogs. Save me from all the power of the enemy, from this roaring lion raging against me, and the power of his dark horde. You want to okay. see? Do you see though? Yeah. That's, it's yeah. it is the cross. Yeah. It is exactly you know, and these two are probably the most um, prominent prophecy of the suffering servant uh, first coming. Uh, and if you want to, you can read the second part. It's about how he's going to be resurrected and and the benefit. Yeah. The resurrection. I will declare your name before all my brothers and praise you in the midst of the congregation. Those who fear Yahweh, praise him. Let all the seed of Jacob glorify him with your praises. Stand in awe of him, all you offspring of Israel, for he has not despised my cries of deep despair. He's my first responder to my sufferings. And when I was in pain, he was there all the time and heard the cries of the afflicted. 
nor the reason for my praise. It comes from, from you and goes to you. I will keep my promise to praise you before all who fear you among the congregation of your people. Let all the poor and broken eat until satisfied. Bring Yahweh praise and you will find him. May your hearts overflow with light, with life forever. From the four corners of the earth, the peoples of the world will remember and return to Yahweh. Every nation will come and worship him. For Yahweh is king of all who takes charge of all the nations. The wealthy of this world will feast and fellowship with him right alongside the humble of heart, bowing down to the dust, forsaking their own souls. They will all come and worship this worthy king. His spiritual seed shall serve him. The future generations will hear from us about the wonders of the victorious Lord. His generation yet to be born will glorify him, and they will all declare it is finished. Mm -hmm. Now, do you know, um, you know, like what we were talking about, what's still on the board, actually, the peak mm -hmm. to peak? Do yeah. you see the peak to peak in that chapter? Uh-huh. And, and so you've got the first coming, you know, it's a suffering servant, the second, um, how he is king of all, who takes charge of all the nations, right? And so, yes, 33 prophecies fulfilled in this chapter alone. Nice. Yeah. <laughs> and so and that's amazing. Mm -hmm. And so that's what I'm saying. They had read those things. But that's not what they wanted at this moment. They wanted the conquering king. Who wouldn't, right? And so they didn't understand what the suffering, serv suffering servant would do for them. You know, and that's a whole other something. <laughs> sometimes we don't understand how much good sometimes suffering does. Yeah. How, where do we grow the most? Mm -hmm. Yeah. They're not fun. Yeah. And so, you know, we don't sometimes see the benefit of that. Okay. So let's go to um, back to John 18 and somebody read verses 26 through 27. But one of the servants of the high priest, a relative of the man whose ear Peter had cut off, looked at him and said, Wait, didn't I see you out there in the garden with Jesus? Then Peter denied denied the third time and said no. And at that very same moment, a rooster crowed nearby. Okay, we've talked about this before, you know, but um, We'll, we'll say it again. I, I, I'll just read this quickly. Even though we commonly see in movies <laughs> a rooster crowing, or we hear in movies a rooster crowing, uh, according to Jewish writings in the Mishnah, uh, any poultry uh, is forbidden. They were forbidden in Jerusalem. And the reason why they were forbidden is because they have a habit of uh, being indiscriminate of what they peck at. And so they would peck at uh, unclean things, uh, even reptiles. And this is, it, it tells you that. Uh, and then would turn around and peck at the meat offerings that were going to be offered to God. And so it would, they would defile 
the meat. And so what would happen to the meat that was offered to God? The Levites ate it. Mm. See, because their portion was the Lord. So whatever the offerings that came to the Lord were, that's what they got because they didn't have, like they weren't farmers. They, um, they, didn't, they were the priests. That was their job. No, because all of their portion was from the Lord. And so they didn't want chickens uh, that would defile the offerings. So no chickens at all. Male, female, rooster, hen, <laughs> no chickens were allowed in Jerusalem. So there were, there were no roosters to crow in Jerusalem. So what was it instead? It was a person, yes. And Jesus, he, remember he even said to, uh, to Peter before the rooster crows, well, the reason he was calling it that is because the Romans had a, a night shift uh, thing that they would do. And then they had one person with this big horn that went around them. Uh, they would blow at different shifts in the night their, the trumpet blast, the horn. And it would announce that they were changing guards. And so this occurred, and they called that uh, the cock crowing or the rooster crowing. That's what it was called. And so the times that that happened, the divisions of nights in three hour blocks of time, there was 6 p.m. at sundown, 9 p.m., midnight, 3 a.m., and 6 a.m. at sunrise. And so through the night. So Jesus was saying before uh, dawn. Yeah. So does this really have any difference to the story if it was a rooster or not? No, no but it's just the fact there were no roosters. <laughs> and so it was Roman. Where did it state that he would deny him three times? That was not in John. No, it's not in John. Okay, because I was trying to flip back. I'm like, I don't remember you talking about that. No, we didn't. Uh, not in, in this gospel. Um, I would have to look that up. I just in Matthew. Uh, there's a lot in Matthew, but it's in all of them. Uh, because one of the things the crucifixion, excuse me, the crucifixion, the trials, and all those kind of things, they're in all the gospels. Right. right. Yeah. Yeah. They all remember that. Yeah. Thinking, they all talk about that one. We didn't talk about that. We didn't write down notes. Yeah, because and, and John it doesn't go as in depth into some of that. Right. Yeah. He's more in details about the spiritual. Yes. yes. He. That's his thing that he's going into. Yeah. yeah. So where did you find that? What? In what? Mishnah. Oh, Mishnah. Uh huh. And that's M I S H N A. Uh, it's a Jewish writing. Oh, you're welcome. Okay, now I'll just read this because it's really quick. In uh, John 18, 28, only just reading the first part because I don't really go well, too far into it because we're not even going to go there tonight. But it says, before dawn, they took Jesus from his trial before Caiaphas to the Roman governor's palace. And we know that that would be Pilate, right? What time of day is it? Dawn. No, before dawn. Right? 
Okay, that's going to be important later because they're breaking one of their own rules again at before dawn. Uh, but it's making sure to tell us that. All right, um, John. John uh, completely leaves out the entire trial with Caiaphas because it just skips. It goes from Annas, you know, that Jesus went to him first and then was led across the way to Caiaphas and then is getting led to Pilate. So he just completely leaves out Caiaphas, right? Uh, so we'll have to go to another gospel to pick that one up because it's not here. So uh, read, go, go to Matthew 26. Matthew 26. <laughs> what? That's where we just heard. That's just where. Oh, <laughs> I didn't know. I was, like, I was like, I know I've heard it. Well, I'm your teacher. I do. Before. I just yeah. didn't know where it was. Well, here you go. So um, go to Matthew 26 and start in uh, verse 57. Somebody read 57 through 59. Those who arrested Jesus led him away to Caiaphas, the chief priest and to a meeting where the religious scholars and the Supreme Jewish Council were already assembled. Now Peter had followed them off from a distance all the way to the chief priest's courtyard, and after entering, he sat with the servants of the chief priest who had gathered there, waiting to see how things would unfold. The chief priests, plural, and the mm -hmm. entire Supreme Jewish Council of Leaders were doing their best to find false charges that they could bring against Jesus because they were looking for a reason to put him to death. So Matthew, he's just telling us straight up how it is. And, and you know, he's saying, okay, they did their best to find false charges. They were looking for a reason to put him to death, mm -hmm. right? Okay, and, and remember all this when we're talking about the things that they were not allowed to do because we're about to talk about that. All right, so somebody read verses 60 through 64. Many false witnesses came forward, but the evidence could not be corroborated. <clears throat> Finally, two men came forward and declared, This man said, I can destroy God's temple and build it again in three days. What and is he talking about there? Himself. Uh -huh. His own body. Uh-huh. His temple. Yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Keep going. Yeah, I'm sorry. Then the chief priest stood up and said to Jesus, Have you nothing to say about these allegations? His... Is what they're saying about you true? But Jesus remained silent before them. So the chief priest said to them, said to him, I charge you under oath in the name of the living God. Tell us once and for all if you are the anointed Messiah. Right, stop. Do you know what they're doing? They're baiting him. They're tra they're setting the trap right there. Uh huh. And so then the next is his answer. Said, I just read where he said nothing. Well, before he said nothing, but this oh. time he's going to respond. Oh, yeah. Okay. yeah. So what they're going to get him on blast. Uh -huh. Oh, that's right. So yeah. go ahead and read right. 64. Jesus answered him, you just said it yourself. And more than that, you are about to see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of God, the Almighty. And one day you will also see the Son of Man coming in the heavenly clouds. Okay. Mm -hmm. So did he really mm -hmm. ever say that he's Messiah? No. He honestly didn't. But um, one of the things that I was seeing here, he fulfills Psalm 110, verse 1, where it says, The Lord Yahweh said to my Lord Adonai. So if you're reading it in English, it says, So the Lord said to my Lord. But if you're not understanding, it's two different Hebrew words. 
then you're not getting all of the, the picture. But uh, it's the Lord Yahweh said to my Lord Adonai. Adonai, again, means um, master, uh, even owner, uh, possessor. Uh, that is Adonai. Um, Yahweh is quite different. Yahweh is the um, supreme name of God. Uh, it is the top name. It means uh, he who exists and causes all other things to exist. Uh, it is, it's, uh, we've talked about in Hebrew, uh, it's paleo, it's pictograph, is uh, behold the hand, behold the nail. You know, um, Jesus, he calls himself Yahweh a few times. Um, you know, in the book of Revelation, where it talks about he who is and was and is to come, that is what Yahweh means. You know, remember when uh, in Exodus 3, where God is talking to Moses from the burning bush and he says, I am. Because Moses asked him, who should I say is sending me? Um, and that's just it. He is in all time periods. He exists as I am because he is in them all. Um, so the Lord Yahweh said to my Lord, Adonai, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. So there's a distinction between two lords, right? And one sitting at the right hand. That's Psalm 110. That's a messianic prophecy. Um, and then in Daniel 7, 13 through 14, it says, I was watching in the night visions and behold, one like the son of man coming with the clouds of heaven. He came to the ancient of days and they brought him near before him. Then to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away and his kingdom the one which shall not be destroyed. So that is um, the, the places that he is fulfilling. Daniel 7, 13 uh, and 14. And so in reality, Jesus is declaring himself Messiah because he is saying, yeah, I'm fulfilling those scriptures. And they recognize that, but he never actually is calling himself one of the things we'll see in a minute, he actually had to um, say God's name, Yahweh, which he does not, um, to actually be charged with blasphemy. Yeah, they did that wrong too. They did that wrong too. Mm -hmm. So somebody read uh, Matthew 26, 65 through 68. Yeah, that's what we're here for. Um, 64. Mm -hmm. And more than that, you are about to see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of God the Almighty. Okay. That, I'm, I'm just wondering how, how that got done. How they would see him that way? Well, for one thing, in the final day of judgment, all oh, I mean, at this point in time, that, that wasn't happening. They, yeah, they wouldn't see it at that time. And then the other thing, and then one day you will see also see the Son of Man coming in the heavenly 
That's in the future. It's all in the future, yeah. That one about, you're about to see the Son of Man seated at the right hand of God. He was saying that's where he was going, you know, uh, soon, but they would not see him until later, much later. All right, so uh, somebody read 65 through 68. The centurion knew the chief priest, as, and as an act of outrage, he tore his robe and shouted, What blasphemy! No more witnesses are needed. Then he heard his grievous blasphemy. Turning to the council, he said, Now what is your verdict? He's guilty and deserves the death penalty, they answered. Then they spat in his face, on his face and slapped him. Others struck him over and over with their fists. Then they taunted him by saying, Oh, anointing, one that prophesied to us. Tell us which one of us is about to hit you next. These are, are these all Romans? No, these are Jews. Okay. These, he hasn't gotten to the Romans yet. Oh, okay. This is the high priest, so. Yeah. Okay. And look at especially verse 65. Look at in 65, it says, This infuriated the chief priest. Okay. In the Passion, it, it would be the high priest, right? So we're talking about Caiaphas. And as an act of outrage, he tore his robe and shouted, yes, you did not tear the high priest's robe. That was uh, stated in Leviticus 21.10. We'll talk about that in a minute, how you were not to tear the robe, the high priest. Yes. Now, that's a whole other something. Okay, let me go ahead and just bring this, you know, because we're talking about it. Well, (laughs) I was, it was interesting because I've been doing research on, um, I've been researching a lot of things lately. Uh, oh, he tore his own robe. Yes, he tore oh, his own. Okay, which was, was an act of grief. But they were not supposed to do that. Gotcha. I was thinking he tore it. Yeah, but okay, so were they the rightful high priest? No. no, they were not. Um, they were appointed by Rome, they were put in place because they would um, act the way that they were wanted to be acted. (laughs) But they were not the rightful um, Levitical uh, priesthood that came from the line of Aaron. Uh, They were not. And in fact, I, I thought this was interesting. So you have uh, Jesus, right? Jesus is, what, it, who is he now? He, let, me, let me put it this way. He is the high priest now, according to Hebrews, right? Uh, he is our high priest who is in heaven. Now, for Jesus to be high priest, according to the way that everything had always been done, uh, to be rightful and lawful, and, and Jesus did everything lawfully. He had to keep the law in every single way to fulfill it, right? So this was just interesting. If you're doing uh, research on John the Baptist, John the Baptist's family, uh, his, his father was Zechariah, right? His mother was Elizabeth. And it tells you very plainly that they both were Levitical. They were from um, the the line of the priests. So John, uh, where did he, where was he raised? We've talked about this. For, with the Essenes. Exactly. And who were the Essenes? 
They were the rightful priests. They were the ones, uh, if you want to go to Qumran, that's where they lived. And so if you go there today, then um, it is known especially for its mikvahs. You know, that's why John was John the baptizer, right? Because of all the mikvahs. Um, and I, I just heard that this, this week. So John, we know him more as a prophet. But what they were saying, and, and it was like, wow, I totally get that, that uh, he was the rightful high priest. He was the one. And uh, the thing is, is he couldn't start his ministry until he was 30, right? Because that's just what they did, uh, and especially with the priesthood. And where did he go to announce his priesthood? And where was he taking care of the people? At the Jordan River, right? That's where he was baptizing people. He was taking them through a mikvah, which has a natural input and output, right? It's living water. Um, and so where did Jesus go when he turned 30, according to Luke 3? He went to the Jordan River, and who baptized him? And he called him out. Mm -hmm. He baptized him. He took him through the mikvah. And then Holy Spirit, uh-huh. Holy Spirit came on him, and that was the anointing because the other priest didn't have to be anointed. The high priest did. So you have, yeah, you have John the Baptist, who is the rightful high priest, uh, and he is anointing Jesus, and it had to be that way for Jesus to become our high priest. Isn't that good? That's good. Yeah. Uh, amen. The Romans put who? The Sadducees. The Sadducees were not the rightful priest at all. But they they just took the priesthood and they profited from it. Uh, but they were not. God, okay, God allowed it. We've talked about this before, but God did not bless it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. They were alive. They were saying for it. They were the rightful priest. So there was a lot of them baptized? Oh, yeah. Yeah. That's why if you go to Qumran today, then there's lots of mikvahs. And also, you know, we, we talk about how, why do we hear about Qumran? Because that's where the scrolls were found, right? Mm -hmm. Excuse me, the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yeah. And if you seriously, okay, you go to Qumran, and, and I, I, I think we should go to Qumran. I mean, yes. yeah. <laughs> but seriously, if you are in Qumran, okay, and you are probably as far as the table that has the food over there, that's where the Red Sea Scrolls were, uh, were found, the Dead Sea Scrolls. Yeah, it's that close. And so who were the people who held the scrolls, the Essenes. Yes, the Essenes had that responsibility because they were the rightful priest, not the ones in Jerusalem. You didn't find those scrolls in Jerusalem, even though there's a big tunnel system. You found them in the caves. That's right. I watched a thing on the History Channel, and it was because they were talking about uh, 
basically it was a uh, what happened? It was one of these things. There was something here. What happened? Mysteries of the abandoned, or something like that. And um, they came across a, a cemetery of sorts, and they found they found the uh, skull, uh, skeletons and such, and they were all laid in a specific way, like all of them. And it was very strange looking, and it was out in the middle of nowhere, like in the desert looking thing. And I was sitting there going. They talked about the scrolls and stuff, and mm-hmm. I'm like, oh, it's going to be in the scenes, or it's going to be priests, mm-hmm. or something, and it was. Yeah. That's what it turned out to be. Because really they were the rightful people. Right. And do you think about this? Okay, so John, if you're looking at, um, I believe it's the very last verse of Luke 1. Uh, somebody read there, the last verse of Luke 1. It's telling us where John was raised. Uh, E-S-S E-N-E I believe That's exactly right. That's what I was looking for. So, where was he raised? In the lonely wilderness. Do you know his dad was a priest. Mm-hmm. He should have been raised. In fact, I've been to the little village where they uh, lived. And it's a little quaint little place. It's, it's a sweet place. It's right outside of Jerusalem. That's right. His dad was the one that was mute. Yep. Uh-huh. So, yeah, exactly uh-huh. right. Yes. Elizabeth and, is going to preach in line, too. Yes, both of them. They both had to be that. Yeah. Yes, to be the high priest. Do you get it? High priest of the Jewish people. Yes, like the, over the nation of Israel, uh, like what the Pharisees were. Mm-hmm. But, he was but they were not in the rightful place. So okay, got it. See, and so you had John who was, and so he made it where Jesus could be high priest for us. It had to be legal. It all. That's the thing. Jesus, he couldn't do loopholes. There were no loopholes. It had to be completely by the book. The Romans came in and decided, okay, you people keep your people in line. Mm-hmm. Well, and here's here's what how else happened. How did they get to the? How did they get the Sadducees to be the ones? Well, let's look at it like this. Do you remember when, um, in between the Gospels, you had the Maccabees? Yeah. Remember we talked about them. Yes, That's how all this happened. Uh huh. Exactly. That's how we get Hanukkah. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is they. Retook the temple. That was good. Right. But they didn't give it back to who it was supposed to go to. Okay. And so they kept things that were not theirs. God allowed it, but he did not bless it. Now, John, on the other hand, he was not allowed to be high priest. You know, if you're looking at the chosen, they call him Crazy John. <laughs> he's still most of the time. Yeah, he is, isn't he? But the thing about it is, he was the rightful one. He was legally supposed to be there, and so um, God blessed him. He he didn't get to go into the priesthood, but per se. But he was very much a prophet. Yes, and so do you remember what Jesus says about him? He says he was the greatest prophet. 
right? Sounds like we need a whole lesson on job. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other <laughs> something. Formally educated. No, 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 he was formally educated. Okay, so remember, read that again. Did you still have Luke? It's the last one. said he chose. Yes. He chose. Yes. He didn't have to. He had to. He chose. Raised him. Raised him. Yes. And so he, that's another reason why he would be a rightful heir. Because he was seriously, do you remember? Think about this. Who was, was similar? Well, no. Who I'm thinking of, who would be similar to this would be Samuel. Uh, do you remember uh, his mother? Okay, let me let me give you this. Oh, his mother was Hannah. Uh huh. Yeah. If you find this in the beginning of First Samuel, his mother was barren, she could was, not yeah. have a child, and so she went in and she was praying before the priest. And the priest thought she was drunk. <laughs> and then he just said to her, well, you know, you just, um, you can have whatever you, you know, were praying for. And so he didn't even know what he was agreeing to. But, <laughs> yeah. but the thing is, is she was praying for a child, you know, for a boy. And so, um, yeah, she said, I will give it to the Lord, you know, that child to the Lord. And so she did. And so Eli, the priest, the high priest, raised him. And he had sons, but they were evil. And so Samuel ended up taking the priesthood. Okay. Do you see this? And so, so it wasn't because of, it was a matter of the heart, not because of yes. the line or the blood or the family. Mm -hmm. gotcha. And so here you've got Zachariah and Elizabeth and they have this son that's a miracle. Mm -hmm. You know, because they were both too old to have a child. And so they get John and they give him over. Basically John chooses to be raised in the wilderness. And when I tell you it's a barren wilderness, mm -hmm. it is. There is no vegetation. What are the people called? <laughs> Essenes. E-S-S-E-N-E. The Essenes. Yes. I would have started with an A. I could too. I thought it was like What you would think. Yeah. E-C. That would be a question. I don't know. I would I would think, but I, I'm not going to say. I don't know. Because Usually the priests that were, it was a family, mm -hmm. or a tribal anyway. It had to be from the tribe. Um, I don't know. To be honest, I would imagine so because uh, she, you know, that was her thought. She was giving him to the Lord, and then the Lord made him uh, a, a great priest, yes, and prophet. John? No, Samuel. Okay. Yeah, sorry. But I think that when we're looking at John, I think we should be also looking at Samuel because it's like a, almost like a repeat, a parallel. Yeah. Well, there's always an Old Testament example to every New Testament, Testament principle. Testament. Yeah. Exactly. Honor. Isn't it beautiful? <laughs> <laughs> yes, there's old and new. And the reason why John was the greatest prophet. Um, up until that time is he died before Jesus fulfilled everything.
And so he was the last, but he, his job was to open the way for Jesus, right? And so he was the greatest prophet until um, Jesus died. Yeah. And that's what the Jewish people think Jesus was, was another prophet. Mm-hmm. And the Essenes were the uh, but then he, priests. Yes. And then he got all blasphemy. They believe he was a prophet, but not um, the son of God. Yeah, exactly. Interesting. So now what we're going to do is we're going to look at uh, the 22 rules that they broke <laughs> in order to um, condemn Jesus. And where this is coming from, Arnold Fruchtenbaum, you know, the same one. Um, that. <laughs> yes, I can actually. Fruct and Bomb is it's a neat name, isn't it? So it's F R U C H. Okay, F R U C H T E N B A U M. I can spell mm-hmm. that. Now, I actually have seen him in person. Um, and it's interesting because he was, I think he was born in Russia. It was a Russian Jew. What the yeah. And then he ended up moving from there um, to New York, I think to the Bronx. And so he has got lots of accents. And so the first time that I ever heard him, I thought he was like chanting in a different um, language. Until I actually sat and was really listening, and I was like, "Oh no, that's English." But he's not loud either. He's very soft-spoken, you know. And I was like, "Oh, you know." So you have to lean in <laughs> you know, to understand him too. Really have to concentrate. Yeah. So, but this man is like he's a. a, a Messianic uh, Jewish like Bible scholar, okay. Uh, he's the one that you've heard uh, us talk about the th- the three Messianic miracles came from him. Um, another was remember we talked about the campaign of Armageddon, that was from him, um, you know. And so he the the twenty two rules that were broken that came from him also. And this is from his book. Yeshua, the life of Messiah from a Jewish perspective. Yeah. So that's where this is coming from. Um, So rule number one, (laughs) there was to be no arrest by religious authorities that was affected by a bribe. So what was the bribe? Yeah, uh, (laughs) exactly. The price of a dead servant. I mean, not just a servant, a dead servant. Yeah, I mean, it's really sad. Okay, Uh, and that was based off of Exodus 23, 8. Take no bribe, for a bribe makes you ignore something that you clearly see. Okay, rule number two that they broke. (laughs) No steps of criminal proceedings were to occur after sunset. Well, this was the entire thing was after sunset, right? Remember in the middle of the night is when they took him from Gethsemane. 
Um, and this was to avoid the possibility of conspiracy, especially one that would be carried out using the cover of night. Once the sun had officially set, the authorities were not to proceed with any form of criminal proceedings. By Jewish reckoning, the sun officially sets once three stars are visible. So that was rule two that was broken. Rule three, judges or members of the Sanhedrin were not allowed to participate in an arrest. <laughs> so, yeah, the purpose was to ensure their neutrality. If they participated in the arrest, it meant they'd taken sides already. Yeah. So, rule four, there were to be no trials before the morning sacrifice. So what time was the morning sacrifice? No. No, the morning sacrifice, 9 o'clock. Uh -huh. So what was happening actually at 9 o'clock? Mm -hmm. They put Jesus on the cross at 9 o'clock a.m. Yes, and he was on the cross. No, he was on the cross until the time of the evening sacrifice at 3 and so he died when that sacrifice was being done. So they should not even been able to do any of this until then. Mm -hmm. But they had already finished. Mm -hmm. Oh, no, you're going to see all kinds of things they shouldn't have done, but they did. And so they weren't supposed to do it before the morning sacrifice. All of daily morning rituals in the temple had to be completed before any trial could be conducted. And so they had done everything and, and even got him through the Roman stuff. And he was being crucified at the time of the morning sacrifice. Rule five, there were to be no secret trials, only public. So in keeping with the second rule, secret trials were forbidden in order to avoid the possibility of conspiracy. You can see why they had the rules they did. They just weren't following them. Rule six, the Sanhedrin trials could only be conducted in the hall of judgment of the temple compound. So since all trials had to be public, the people would have to know where to go to observe a trial. Sanhedrin trials, therefore, had to be held only in this one room, the Hall of Judgment in the Temple Compound. This hall was known as the Chamber of Hewn Stones. Now, did they do it there? Where did they do it? Just in the middle of it. No. Where, does, where did we just read? Where was the trial? No. It's... It Annas and in Caiaphas's house, right? So, what, and was it public? No. And it was in the cover of night, right? With a bribe. Before the sacrifice. <laughs> yeah. Huh? Before the sacrifice. Yeah, before the morning sacrifice. <laughs> and so everything has been broken so far, right? Look at the next rule seven. During the trial, the defense had the first word before the prosecutors could present the accusations. There was no defense, no. This is the reverse of the Western system. The defense provided all reasons why the accused could, be, uh, could not be guilty of anything and presented character witnesses. Then the two or three witnesses for the prosecution officially presented the accusation. So he shouldn't have even been accused first. Rule eight, all could argue in favor of acquittal but all could not argue in favor of conviction. And here's why, huh? 
Under Jewish criminal law, it was permissible to stack the deck in favor of the accused, but not against him. It was permissible for everyone to argue only for acquittal, but it was not permissible for everyone to argue only for conviction. The accused had to have at least one defender, and there was none. Mm -mm. Rule nine, um, there were to be two or three witnesses, and their testimonies had to agree in every detail. Do you remember what we just read in Matthew? Um, it was saying that they had all these false charges and they couldn't get them to agree. And so they finally got two that said, oh, well, he said he was going to tear down the temple and rebuild it in three days. Okay, so this is based off of Deuteronomy 19, 15 through 19. Somebody read that. Deuteronomy 19, 15 through 19 talking about the two or three witnesses. You must not convict anyone of a crime on the testimony of only one witness. The facts of the case must be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If a malicious witness comes forward and accuses someone of a crime, then both the accuser and accused must appear before the Lord by coming to the priests and judges in office at that time. The judges must investigate the case thoroughly. If the accuser has brought false charges against his fellow Israelite, you must impose on the accuser the sentence he intended for the other person. In this way, you will purge such evil from among you. So those last two verses, they're like, wow, you don't want to bring false charges. Because if you do bring false charges and it's seen that way, then they're going to bring it on you. Right? So I, it's actually not a bad thing. <laughs> there's nowhere in the trial of Jesus where they brought in judges. Well, the judges were the Sanhedrin. They, they were seen so as a court. This is talking about judges as we knew the judges well, even in in a in Deuteronomy, they had the seventy uh, elders that uh, helped uh, Moses, and so they would even be seen. Those seventy elders, those were the predecessors to the Sanhedrin. That's why the Sanhedrin was what it was. Yeah, seventy. Seventy one, actually, they made it to be seventy one because uh -huh, tiebreaker. Yeah. All right. I I like. 21, I had it underlined. Oh. <laughs> you must show no pity for the guilty. Your rule should be life for life, eye for eye, tooth for tooth, <laughs> hand for hand, foot for foot. Mm -hmm. But then Jesus changed that, remember? Mm -hmm. Yeah. All right. Rule 10. There was to be no allowance for the accused to testify against himself. This was to avoid two possible situations. First, a man might be suicidal and so confess a crime that he didn't commit. Second, he might be trying to protect someone else who was guilty and so confess to a crime he didn't commit. Therefore, the individual himself could not be counted among the two witnesses that were minimally required for a court case to be heard. So, you remember, you know, they didn't have anybody that really testified against Jesus. It was, they took whatever he said. Mm -hmm. So, again, Rule 11, 
the high priest was forbidden to rend his garments. Yes. This rule was based on Leviticus 21.10. The high priest has the highest rank of all the priests. The anointing oil has been poured on his head, and he has been ordained to wear the priestly garments. He must never leave his hair uncombed or tear his clothing. In the Jewish context, the tearing of garments was a sign of emotions. For example, if a family member died, the relatives would tear their clothing. This also happened if a family member married a Gentile. <laughs> or, no, he's in a pagan. That's because what, what Gentile means. <laughs> and then uh, it also happened if one of their uh, members, or family members, became a believer in Yeshua. Because they were dead to them. Hmm. Yes. Because the trial had to be decided based on the facts presented by two or three witnesses and not on the basis of emotions. The high priest could not tear his clothing during a trial because he had to be unbiased. But see, Caiaphas was not being that way. Mm -mm. He was the one instigating. You're right. So rule 12, judges could not initiate the charges. <laughs> they could only investigate charges brought to them. Like the third rule, this law was supposed to keep judges neutral. If they originated the charge, it would mean that they had already taken sides. Makes sense. Mm -hmm. It does, doesn't it? <laughs> Rule 13. The accusation of blasphemy was only valid if the name of God itself was pronounced. In Hebrew, the name of God is comprised of four letters that correspond to the Latin letters Y-H-W-H or Y-H-V-H. Be Yahweh, right? Unless a person pronounced this four-letter name of God, they could not technically be accused of blasphemy. So the charge that they actually brought against him would not actually, according to their rules, should have, they shouldn't have held it. Mm -hmm. um, rule 14. <laughs> I love you, Andrea. This is family. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to our family. They probably didn't even hear it. They would have heard You know what? Here's the thing. I'm around a baby all the time. Man, she burps and farts. <laughs> Of his own words, which is a lot like the other one. This rule emphasized the necessity of having two outside witnesses at least. Uh, rule 15, the verdict could not be announced at night. 
This rule was to avoid a rush to judgment. It might uh, have been a long day with many witnesses being questioned, um, arguments back and forth and people getting tired and edgy to avoid a rush to judgment. Uh, then it wasn't supposed to be announced at night. Those are like rules that still apply in a car. I know. Yeah. I mean, so they're good rules, actually. Rule 16. In the case of capital punishment, the trial and guilty verdict could not occur at the same time, but had to be separated by at least 24 hours. Well, that is not what happened. Within 24 hours, Jesus was dead. Right. Uh, the purpose of this law was to permit more time for information to become available, which might favor the accused. Yeah. Rule 17, voting for the death penalty had to be done by individual count, beginning with the youngest, so the young would not be influenced by the elders. Yeah. Yeah, they didn't do that. Rule 18, a unanimous decision for guilt showed innocence since it was impossible for 23 to 71 men to agree without plotting. And so the number 71 is the full membership of the Sanhedrin. Uh, not all the members needed to be present, but there had to be a minimum of 23, which is uh, far less than 71, isn't it? Mm -hmm. um, however, even with the minimum, it was inconceivable in a Jewish context that all 23 men would agree on one issue, unless there was a plot involved. This came from the observation that Jews enjoy arguing among themselves. <laughs> um, rule 19, the sentence could only be pronounced three days after the guilty verdict. Yeah. The trial and verdict had to be separated by 24 hours, but three more days had to pass before pronouncing the sentence for the same reason, to allow more time for information to come forth that would favor the accused. Rule 20, judges had to be, or they were to be humane and kind. That's <laughs> not what happened. Remember, they were hitting him, and they were saying, prophesy who's going to hit you next. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, rule 21, a person condemned to death was not to be scourged or beaten before his execution. Mm -hmm. That's exactly what is happening, Isaiah 53, 14, uh, is the fulfillment of what was going on. It says, but many were amazed when they saw him. His face was so disfigured, he seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, one would scarcely know he was a man. So this trial, is this just Jesus in your mind, self with all these? Mm -hmm. Okay. In the house. Yeah. So he should have had. Yeah, he didn't even look human anymore. I mean, us. Just, oh, us. That would be terrifying. Yeah. One of the things uh, that many have uh, talked about, and I can see this in the, the garden. He knew that he was going to die. He knew he was supposed to be crucified. One of the things he was praying for is that he would be able to make it until he was on the cross, because the scourging and everything that was going to go on normally would kill people even before they were crucified. Uh, and so he had to make it, he had to live, he had to endure to be crucified. Yeah. And he had to wait until 3 o'clock. He had to be on the cross from 9 until 3 because he had to be alive and he couldn't, he couldn't die until um, 3 o'clock when the time that the... Um, 
the lamb for the nation was being killed. And the priest would say, it is finished. And so at the same time, that's when he was saying it is finished about himself. Mm -hmm, exactly. All right, last rule. Uh, rule 22, no trials were allowed on the eve of the Sabbath or on a feast day. And so here we are. It's on a feast day. What was the feast day? Passover. Yeah. So, again, uh, one of their rules broken. And so um, where we're leaving off is, again, uh, John 18, 28, before dawn, they took Jesus from his trial before Caiaphas to the Roman governor's palace. And again, the word took is apago. So that would be like a, a lamb being led to slaughter. Okay, I have a question. Okay. Okay, in verse 24, where it says, Then Annas sent Jesus, still tied up, across the way to the high priest Caiaphas. Um, and then verse 25, Meanwhile, Peter was standing in the still standing in the courtyard by the fire. So could Peter have went into the house with Jesus? It doesn't sound like it. It sounds like he's still in the courtyard, and, and he could still be in the courtyard. I don't think so. Because this is right before he denies him. Right. So One of the wondering. things it talks about, like you said, you know, there they was a should have been allowed to have. He should have been allowed have a defender. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. And then you would think that the one who was the other disciple who went in, you know, to Annas' house, uh, would he have had a defender in that person? Apparently, they didn't speak up. Yeah, no one spoke up. I'm saying, so nobody even thought to go in there with him? <laughs> well, I think the other one did, yeah. whoever that other one was. Yeah. Um, but he didn't say he anything. Didn't say anything. Mm -hmm. okay, okay, I see what you're saying. Because so they're saying, because Peter was still out there. Okay. I was just wondering why. Why Peter didn't go in there with him? Well, and too, it says that he's in the courtyard, never went in the house. Um, and the courtyard apparently was right across the way from where uh, Caiaphas's house was. Right. So he probably didn't have to go anywhere. He just oh. stayed in the same place. That's what I was oh, wondering. Yeah. I was wondering, was he? Because they were stacking their own deck. Yeah. Blocking the door. Everything that they were doing, which was... Clearly, they didn't care about the rules. <laughs> no. <laughs> Disregard for all their own rules. Right. They wouldn't have wanted to. Oh. What else? They just wanted to sweep him under the rug and get rid of him quickly. Yeah. Everything else out the window. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Praise God, that was not going to happen. <laughs> you talked about the nine o'clock sacrifice. So there was a nine o'clock sacrifice, and then again there was another sacrifice mm -hmm. at three. The morning and evening. Okay, morning and evening. Yeah. Yes. Now at Passover, it was even more. Yeah. I mean, at a minimum, that was daily. Mm -hmm. Yes, it was. You said it was finished. That's when they were outside. That's when they were sacrificing the lamb for the nation. And he was the lamb for the nation. Yeah. So at the ex and that's why he had to do it the way he did it. Yeah. The more you understand all of the little details, it means so much more. 
Yeah. And also, it's like, how do y'all not see it? I know. Yeah. That's what's how do you not see it? But then you go back to that Romans 10, yeah. and it tells you clearly God has put his eyes in their eyes for a time. Yeah. And like you said, they teach in the school, they said, don't read, like, here, sir, this is what we live and breathe, but don't read this. Yeah. Yeah, don't read that part. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> like, what? Was there not, a, like, why were the students not like, well, why? Like, yeah, I'm sure when your parents, a lot of them did, yeah. they went home and read it. <laughs> yeah, they're going to go, right? Yeah. In the calendar she gave us, like, I've noticed that it says, like, on Saturdays, it'll say different, you know, Sabbath uh, readings. Well, there's different readings and such. And I'm like, okay, are you supposed to be reading those? That is and, what they read and in all of the synagogues. Too. Yeah, but in all of the synagogues around the world, okay. um, they the, those are the Old Testament readings. Now, with the New Testament readings, those are just the Messianic synagogues, okay. you know, congregations. Mm -hmm. But uh, the Old Testament, they all, and then they'll start over, you know, mm -hmm. the next year. Uh, and so, yeah. I didn't pay attention if it was in order or anything, but I don't think it was because it would say, read this, and it would tell you what it was about or like. It would be like Jacob's Ladder or something. That's not what it was, but it would be a title. And well, then something do you remember how we talked about in uh, Judaism? It's uh, cyclical. That's how they do things yes. is, is cycles. And then right. because so they're, yes, we we just go through, uh, ours is so inferior because <laughs> think, I mean, it really is. Think in our, in our school system, you know, you know this, <laughs> but well, in our school systems, what we do, um, and I'm talking college, everything, oh, yeah. um, you go through and you learn something just enough to regurgitate it on the test. Yep. And then short-term memory. Short-term memory, and then you forget it all, and you cram, get all cram, these. Cram. Yeah, you get cram, cram. You get these dates, and you get all this whatever, and then you never go over it again, and you're not going to remember it. You know, it's memorization. It's not learning. That's all. It's not learning. Now, in Jewish understanding, what they do is they will learn something, and then every year it comes back around. And it's it's and they build on it every time. You know, it's like the feast. They they practice the same feast every year, and so they get a new aspect of it every year. You know, so by the time they've lived very long, they have a very good understanding of something. And it's went not just in the head, but hopefully has had experience enough to get down in the heart of ownership. Wasn't there something, and I couldn't even begin to remember the specifics of it, but on 9-11, the, the reading for that day was so mm. right on with the... The powers being I wouldn't be surprised. Much. I don't know, but I wouldn't be surprised. There was something that, hmm. maybe it was in that, that, that one Harbinger. book. Harbinger. Yeah. yeah. The Paradigm. Okay. Yeah. Paradigm explained it more than the Harbinger did. It did in both. I remember I was in, um, I was coming back from Israel, and uh, my friend and I, we had an hour to spend in downtown New York. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, so where I wanted to go was to uh, St. Paul's uh, Chapel, I think is what it's called, or church. 
and it's directly across from the World Trade Center. And, you know, you walk in there, um, and if you had not had that understanding, it's covenant ground. Oh, yes. You know, and, and see, the thing that was so cool to me is I had just been in Samaria the day before. I mean, it was less than 24 hours, you know, um, counting flight time, everything. Yeah, and so I was in Samaria, and we were on uh, Har uh, Baruka, which is the uh, Mount of Blessing. And we're looking over the um, valley of... Um, the Shechem Valley in Samaria. And over across from there, that's where the Israelites came across the Jordan and actually put up pillars and wrote the laws on the rocks as they were coming in. It was covenant ground. And I understood for the first time why the West Bank has always been such a contention point uh, between Israel and the rest of the world. It's covenant ground. And so the enemy wants it because it's covenant ground. But he'll never get it because God will never give it up. And so then to go to New York and have a chance to go, okay, it was like, oh, you know. And so um, we went there. And, you know, here, here was my thoughts when I walked in to this church. All it had in it was World Trade Center memorabilia. There was a gift shop in the front um, left corner. Uh, (laughs) There was like a little thing over to the side that said this is where George Washington sat. You know, his pew. Uh, Had nothing about it being uh, covenant. Mm -mm, Nothing at all. The entrance, the door. No, what, uh, not that I saw. What I do remember is there were two places that uh, are in there. There's like this throne-looking uh, seat, and it has Yahweh, actually, written in Hebrew. And then when you turn around, I think it may even have it at the top, too, and there's another place that it says Yahweh in Hebrew. It's actually in Hebrew. But... Um, had nothing about that this is where all all of our government came and prayed, you know, right after our president was inaugurated. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, and all of that, that was in uh, 1789. Mm -hmm. And uh, had nothing about any of that. Maybe so. All I know is everything I saw had to do with 9-11 because they used that church as a, a place to, to take people that were hurt and, huh? It wasn't harmed. Or it wasn't harmed at all. Not even a window was Not broken. Not a window was broken. Yes. The that was it. The sycamore tree was destroyed. But that, and that's a whole other. Yeah. But the thing that's really cool about it is the enemy got as close as he could to and destroying the government ground and could not go any further. Yes. Because nothing of that, that churchyard, anything. And it's, I mean, those buildings were huge, mm-hmm. you know, and, and here's this church right in front of it and nothing touched it is amazing but i understood more about covenant ground 
at that point. When was that? That, uh, that was in 2013 is when I went and did that. Yeah. In, uh, I would have been to New York there in uh, October 2013. So, um, how many people have seen that and said that's the cause of that's covered in the ground? Yeah, nobody would have really people, understood that. Yeah, then the worldly people don't. Do that. Mm -hmm. Well, they definitely, yeah, they don't. Well, but I don't know if I don't even think in Christian circles. You know, I don't think even think in Christian circles that's been talked no, about. I don't. Mm -hmm. This is the first time hearing of it. Yeah, and and so the I thing is, the books. I didn't either, to be honest. I didn't either. Um, but it it so made sense, mm -hmm. and especially look at the West Bank. Yeah. You know. Everybody hears about that, and, and Israel is supposed to be occupiers, you know, but the way God sees it is, no, they covenanted that, and he's keeping that ground, because what's been given to him, he's going to keep, because he's a covenant-keeping God. Yeah. And that's why I think, too, it's so important, and you see it, through, especially the Old Testament, is where, I don't remember what the title of the book is, but they would find the book in the in the temple and it would be read to all the people and they would really emphasize it and pass on the stories and everything yes. else so that the next generation would remember and keep the promises that were made and everything else. Yeah. We don't have that in front of that little church. No. We just think about 9-11, which 9-11 was horrific. I'm, I'm not saying that it wasn't. But I am saying there's more to it. Yeah. You know, the mainstream is not going to want that story out there. No, but it's, it deserves to be. Yeah. I heard somebody say today in a podcast that um, Jesus' word is just the opposite of what the word, like whatever the world's telling you, scripture's telling you the opposite. Mm -hmm. Most of the time, especially more and more lately. Upside down kingdom is yes. what she said. I can yeah. see that. Yeah. Upside down kingdom. Uh -huh. Yeah. I get that. That's why we have to really watch against the false prophets. It's true. It was like Jim sharing that one the other day. A person from basically a son in a sense or someone he's watched grow and this person was questioning well everybody gets to heaven y'all were in there for the sermon I don't know if he, that's what he said here but he was talking about how this young man because of things he's reading and such in a sense he's being led astray because you know it's sad that's, yeah that's how I was talking about last week with conversation I was having I think some things just happen right like you know no God's hand is in all of them yeah well it's just a coincidence well, yeah you know yeah. you were talking about being responsible for uh, things that that are put out there one of the things that really bothered me um being in Israel the first time that I went um I like to go wherever I go to different places and just look at what's on their tv you know <laughs> 
just because it's different. I know when I was in Ukraine, I couldn't understand a thing they were saying <laughs> at all. <laughs> but in Israel, what I was noticing is they had a lot of our channels. Oh, yeah. A lot of our channels. And uh, I was I remember talking to the guide, and she was saying in Israel they had had no problems with rape, with uh, really mm-hmm. even pornography. Nothing until the, until they started getting more and more of our media, and then now they've become a lot like America, but it's because of our influence. And I remember thinking, you know, how wrong that is, and and how much will be uh, held accountable for that. It's sad. If you oh, think about the commercials that come on for sees is controlled and geared to be what the government wants them to think and understand. And that's why you have the the propaganda from Christian-based radio that they don't want to, they don't want that broadcast because then people will begin to see that there is something different. There is more Mm -hmm. to, to it than what they've been told. from originally from Lebanon and his 
I think it was his uncle was killed because he was wearing the cross. Mm -hmm. I don't know how many years ago that's been, but it's been in his lifetime. Mm -hmm. <coughs> and that just really brought it home like, okay. And see, we people wear crosses here and it's no big deal. I mean, and you have people, you know they're not believers. I'm talking like rock stars, whatever, wearing crosses, and they're doing all kinds of things because here it's just seen as jewelry. Yeah, but and it's so not in other places. I think that's an eye-opener. And those people over there that are like doing those underground churches and stuff—it's amazing. Yeah. Well, that's what they did when Christianity first started. House churches, to where you had to place half of a fish in the sand, mm -hmm. and the other person had to come along and finish the fish picture, <laughs> so that you would know that each of you were believers. believers. You know, the thing is, is when you have persecution, a lot of times that's where um, our faith is refined. They have a very strong faith, you know, uh, to to death. Um, and a lot of times in America, ours becomes complacent. Mm -hmm. Too easy. Mm -hmm. It's true. Okay, yeah. Very modern. It's becoming separated, though. Yeah, we're making a choice. He said, "Do I put a dollar you know, for the dollar for your life?" Sure, right there. Says, "No, that's what we're supposed to be." Yeah. We, we gotta get brighter. Yeah, and it's when people look at you like, "What is it about them that you know?" Our everybody goes through stuff every single day. What is it about us that keeps us going? Keeps us Smiling, being nice to people, holding doors for people. Thank you for listening to the Last Casses Community Church podcast. Once again, there will be no episode next week because it is Ash Wednesday. Don't forget to rate and review. Follow us on Facebook, and I hope you have a great week.